That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Media presents the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Documentary filmmaker Dan Napoli and ad agency creative director John Battistini revisit movies, music, TV shows, and pop culture events from the 80s and 90s they experienced as kids. Some of it was great. Some of it was terrible. But all of it will be fun as these longtime friends talk about what influenced them growing up. Welcome to the Yelling in My Ear podcast. Welcome, second episode, Yelling in My Ear, part two of our um, little Kevin Smith tour de four. Uh, I'm Dan Napoli. And I'm John Battistini. Yeah. And John, uh, you bring up an interesting dichotomy between mall rats and clerks. I, I think, I don't know if it's as, I think there's some general thing about notes. Like mm-hmm. Kevin talked to a bunch about, I, I think you can look at clerks is making a movie sans notes and Mallrats became making a movie much more like in the way that in the world where we live on the client side of work mm-hmm. and have over the years of, you have a lot of, you, you have a, a lot of masters to serve. You have a yeah, lot of, it's a lot of, sometimes it's a committee, you know, and, and, and I, I, you know, you, you put things, especially with video, you know, let's, let's specifically talk about video in this case is, or any, you know, d- digital things that we work on. It's like, you know, we've got a treatment, we've got an idea, we sell it to like, this is awesome. Let's do this. And then it's like, this one's got to do it. Now it's going to make the logo bigger, do this. Can it have a plot? Hey, get mall rats. Um, you know, what's the big idea? And it's, you know, and, and all of those things are good to have, but at times, Sometimes what your vision of what it is and your vision of the committee that approves it are something else. But also, you know, we have, what, 25 years of hindsight on Mallrats, right? And, you know, it was what? It was Kevin's second movie. You know, he'd be given a much bigger budget. I'm sure you know all the numbers and stuff. But following him on social media, knowing what his personality is, he actually, he likes to make people happy. So I can imagine that when they're like, here's all this money, do this thing. These are the things we want. It doesn't necessarily feel like it's in his nature to be like, screw you. I'm doing what I want. He's like, okay, I can do those things. Sure. You gave me a lot of money. Like, this is a job. I'm going to do those things. Like, you know, and not, I don't, and I don't mean that that's a bad thing. Like, that's a nice thing to be able to do. But I, I feel like looking back with 25 years of his personality and following on social media and stuff like that, I could see where it could go that way. Well, yeah, there's um, on and who on, doesn't want to make people happy on, on many of the different things. So this past October um, it was the 25th anniversary of Mallrats uh, being released in the theaters. Also, what kind of spurned um, us to talk about Mallrats and Clerks, this awesome little guy that I love. Um, Arrow, Arrow Media did a really cool repackage um, that's definitely worth checking out. Um, it has besides cool posters, but it's got the director's cut. It's got, I think the documentary stuff, the, the making of clerks that's, mm-hmm. that's been on a lot of the re-releases and, and Kevin talked in some of that stuff that, that somebody pointed out to him as they were going through the process that, um, 
like uh, paraphrasing, but but the quote is basically like, hey, you know, Kevin, you want people to laugh at your movie and isn't tempering some of these things that would like make more people laugh, like, isn't that a good thing? And, and Kevin famously was like, said something to the effect of he's like, yeah, I mean, that's logical, but I kind of like the idea that at any given point, there's only four people in the room <laughs> laughing at any particular. Um, so yeah, dude, I'll do the quick housekeeping with, with mall rats to get into a little bit more. Um, literally comes out a year after clerks. Um, Kevin is like the India darling. He signs a deal with Gramercy universal for his big studio debut. Um, and it was big. Like it was a much bigger budget. Like it was a real budget, right? Yeah. Oh, it's $6 million budget. Yeah. Um, which was like the minimum. And, and, and that's another thing that when we, we talk about, um, you know, I'm super jumping ahead here in a way, but one of my, one of my big takeaways from it, right. Is, is it influenced? I'm almost as influenced by the process and the stuff that I've heard and learned mm. about it. And, and Kevin talking about that. Um, he always says, I feel bad losing money for anybody. He gets, he actually argued apparently that 6 million was too big for this film. Mm. And they're like, Kevin, you can't make movies for less than $6 million. And he's like, I just, yeah. I just made one for 34,000. And they're like, Kevin, that's not a movie. Yeah. Um, so, but, I, but I think again, that, that starts to bring in these um, serving so many masters. Yeah. So it's a big budget. It's, it's, it's a, it's a much bigger budget for him. It's a studio. It's a studio doing like a raunchy team con teen comedy, um, which was a huge thing in the early eighties. Hadn't been seen for a long time. Um, so, so it's kind of so, like a throwback idea to let's do that again kind of thing. Is that yeah, you know, I think, a little bit of it? I think the Varla, the, the, the parlance of the elevator pitch is like a smart porkies mm -hmm. um, as if that was maybe a thing. And, you know, Kevin again is like, whatever you call it, whatever you want. But like, yeah, that was kind of went, went, went around and, and, and ultimately like mall rats absolutely bombed at the theater, um, which is again, interesting. And it's like, it's kind of made for, 13 to 19 but it's rated r which is yeah. an interesting kind of uh you know cross mix there um you're kind of like okay i, I definitely think i saw it in the theater uh, i know my wife did not um come <laughs> with me so for those of you that were in the first episode i took my wife to see clerks on our first date um i did not ever take her to see mall rats on a subsequent date um so there is that but you know uh, it just, I had high hopes for it. And I don't remember disliking it that much. Like, I kind of liked it. It was kind of stupid, but so what? Like, Dude, we loved it. Yeah, like, um, I don't understand why everybody was, like, shitting all over it. Like, okay, you know, I mean, looking back, if you're, like, going to really pick it apart, it's like, with Clerks, nothing really happened. So in Mallrats, stuff happened. But I think, you know, maybe what was missing was, like, the stakes weren't as high. Like, you know, clerks had existential crisis. Why am I here? What am I going to do? These guys are like, we broke up with the girlfriends. Let's go to the mall. I'm like, yeah, of course you went to the mall. Like I was a suburban kid. You go to the mall. It really was exactly the way he captured. That's what you did. And that, that felt like another thing where it was like, like clerks, you know, working at a card store doing those things that he captured. I, I felt like that's what the malls were like on the East coast in the eighties and nineties. 
Yeah. I mean, dude, they were, they were very similar in, in, in the Midwest as well. You know, I think like, did you ever work in a mall? I did. Yeah, I, I did. Um, well, my, I mean, my mom managed retail forever. And mm -hmm. then um, the record store I worked at in college oh, was, was in, in a mall. A mall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I like, worked my life in a mall. was literally a mashup okay. of, of clerks and mall rats. No, um, I worked in um, the summer before college. I worked at Macy's in the action <laughs> shop, which was like the young men's department with all the skate clothes, like Vision Streetwear. I had more Vision Streetwear clothes and stickers because I like back then the hang tag was a hang tag and a sticker. I took every freaking sticker off of all the clothes so anyone that bought clothes from the roosevelt field macy's in the action shop in the 80s that expected a vision streetwear sticker sorry it's it's probably still in a folder on my shelf behind me but um you know that was i worked in the mall and you'd go eat lunch at the mall like i mean you know that was that was where i spent all summer before college because i was working in the mall so dude that's interesting that you're talking about being this, this action wear men's section because i feel like I feel like that's the first place that mall rats got on my radar mm. was the idea that people were like, Hey dude, um, Jason Lee mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. blinds. Jason Lee is yeah. now acting and he's not just in the Sonic youth video. He's right. in this movie. And yeah. that immediately I was like, wait, what? Like, like, um, very, uh, famously before, um, you know, he was an actor. Jason Lee had a long, um, well, he's in all uh, the Spike Jones skate as, videos in the beginning. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he was he was a super significant um, pro skateboarder. Nobody in, 360 flips like Jason Lee. Nobody. Yeah, I, I mean, in the the street the the street movement of the early 90s, as skateboarding was dying basically, um, or had died before it skyrocketed again. Was kind of Jason Lee's time. Um, mm -hmm. but, and I'm, I obviously remember like his whole part from video days, like the mm -hmm. very famous blind video. So, so that was a huge, like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, okay. Um, and then, you know, then I think the second thing that was followed behind it was, um, Shannon Doherty, the actress had just, um, you know, bailed from 90210, um, which was the like gossip girl Riverdale, oh, yeah. like whatever the, of, of like the nineties. So that, she, so that she was in it. And then it's like, Oh, Hey, it's, it's the guy from, and then it's the guy who did clerks. Um, you, you make an interesting point though, too, John, in that, um, like, uh, it's something else that it was, I think was significant on me is, is this concept of expectation mm -hmm. and like clerks is very much. And I love, I love it. But it's an art house pick. It yes. almost even has a vibe of like, like what you know, you so I you almost see a guy in like a turtleneck and the Fu Manchu and then like what's do the suburbanites? We're just, just snapping our fingers do, instead yeah, of clapping. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what do the suburbanites do in the frolic of there? And it's this like verte kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And like mall rats is not that at all. Nope. It's a boombastic, ridiculous, over the top, like fun, kind of meaningless, like you said, no existential crisis. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, there was a lot of um, critics and fans that were definitely not pleased. It also followed that 90s-esque trajectory, right? Of your, mm -hmm. like, your favorite indie band gets signed on like a major label. And it's like, you know, which that's a different episode where we're like, yeah, why does Dear totally You- different. Why Dude, does Dear and, You have all these guitars on it? This is bullshit. And I got to tell you, I, like, we're going to tangent for a second because I saw them a year ago before the pandemic and playing in Brooklyn. And like, you know, they played a bunch of Dear You songs and I'm like, 
they were so ahead of their time with that album. I'm sorry. I don't know what everybody's freaking problem was. We're going to do a whole episode on that at some point. Because yeah, there's, there definitely is an episode sorry. in my ear about, oh my about God. the band Jawbreaker. And I'm going to be screaming at people. Why, why didn't but, you like uh, this? Yeah, so expectation <laughs> plays, plays a funny thing. Um, Sasha, I'm curious... Do you remember, because um, I, I, I think that 10 years would make you like nine-ish or something like that. So you probably didn't see it in the theater, but I could be wrong. No, um, where'd, you first, where'd you first find Mallrats? Honestly, I don't even remember when it was that I watched it, but I know I watched it because Jason Lee was in it. Oh, really? okay. I had a huge crush on Jason Lee. There we go. Okay. I wanted to be like a badass skateboard chick when I was in middle school. <laughs> so it was middle school. That's awesome. So you were aware. Okay. So you were aware of Jason Lee as a skater as to uh, that kind of had brought you towards the. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why I watched Interesting. it. I didn't care okay. about any other part of it. I didn't even know, like, I didn't know anything about it. It was like, oh, Jason Lee's in it. Of course I'll watch that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so, dude, there's a story. Um, I can't remember if it's on the DVD or in an article that I just that I just read, but um, there's the scene at the end of the film where the network executives come up to Jason and they're like, hey man, have you ever thought about being in TV? And he's like, Yeah. I guess they copped that from real life. Mm -hmm. That's how he like reacted and accepted how he got the part. Yeah, like the story. I guess they said like he was eating a Whopper or something like that, and like meeting Kevin and some of the guys in there. Burger, they're like, "Cool, Russell. Like you got the part." And he's like, "Yeah, cool." It just <laughs> that sounds about like, right. Yeah, just kind of go, just just kind of goes on from there. But like, I I don't know. So John, how much? I mean, how much expectation did you okay. have when when you came to the film? I I mean, I really liked Clerks. I wasn't sure what to think of mall rats because I'm like, it's in a mall, but I was expecting it to be funny and kind of silly. And it was. So I think it met all of my expectations. What I wasn't expecting was the level of craft that would change that, especially watching it now with 25 years of, you know, experience and like, you know, having made films with you and doing things like that. It's like to be like, oh, he really kind of like stepped up his, you know, the, the camera moves, there's different stuff. You know, it was, it was really, you know, that was interesting to me as far as like how it was more of like a movie, like you said, as a, like a traditional, what you expect from a movie as opposed to an art film. Do you know what I mean? So, oh, absolutely, dude. So like I'm I curious, saw that, you know, are you feeling like John, you saw that in, this is a multi-part question. So hang mm -hmm. on with me. You saw that in the theatrical cut, the director's original cut, or or you saw that in both of those just in varying degrees. I would say both in varying degrees, especially going back to it. And, you know, and this can bring us right up to our first scene to chat about um, is the opening that is not the theatrical cut opening, the really long one -er that is not that was not in the theatrical cut that like, you know, is... I didn't remember that. And I think, you know, I saw it recently when we were, you know, coming back to this, like, holy cow, this is, this is like some Spielberg stuff. That's one shot for like 10 minutes and the camera goes down and then up and then over and then the, the thing. And I'm like, I, and I'm like, I don't remember that. So I had to do a little research. I'm like, yeah, I didn't remember. Cause it wasn't in the damn movie when I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yeah. So if you grab that arrow um, box re-release, which is, which is awesome. It, it has the original test screening cut of it which is like 
crazy in, in that, like, it's so different. Um, I think it is revolutionary war cosplay. 42 I mean. minutes before they get to the mall in this yes. cut. There's, there's an obscure reference late in the film when um, the execs pull over Michael Rooker, who is amazing. And we'll talk oh about my God, him later. So good. But they actually say something like, you better not have any trouble like you did at the governor's ball. Um, that's a callback to this entirely, like basically there's like a 27 minute opening scene that really explains why um, T.S., the main character, um, Jerry London, his uh, girlfriend's dad, Michael Rucker, can't stand Mm-hmm. Um, T.S. He ruined something at like the governor's ball. And there's this giant, everything is like John said, this big sweeping one. It's one um, shot. He doesn't cut. It comes out. The camera comes down. I watch it like three times, goes yeah. back up uh, and it's one take. I, mean, I don't know how many times they did it, but it's one unbroken take. Here's my, my thought on some of that though, is like when you go back and, and, and watch it. And again, I think that is, again, for me, that takeaway of like how, how to serve or properly balance like a lot of different masters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I'm, and, and of course, like, I mean, freaking Kevin Smith's brain here, but he, to me, I almost get the vibe or what I should say is if I was in his spot, what probably would have happened is I would have felt so compelled to prove. Yes to everybody that like I can make a proper movie mm-hmm. and he did that in in this that technical stuff however his greatest strength which is character and story and dialogue mm-hmm. is like was like a casualty of that it in in that original like director's cut right in yeah. that, or yeah, that, yeah, or that yeah. extended cut you know what I mean because I oh yeah definitely there was a pressure to like well, you can't just make a movie, you know, that quote unquote, it's not a real movie. You can't just have people talking. You can't right. just, and, well, like, well, they have not? to go to the mall and do stuff. And yet, you know, I got news for you. Like when we go to the mall, yeah, we're walking. We're really just mainly you'd go with your friends and just talk. I mean, that's all you yeah. did anyway. But I think one of the best things to come out of mall rats is it felt like he really solidified who the Jay and silent Bob characters are besides the dirtbag drug dealers from clerks that really are not nice people. I mean, they're supposed to be that of rights, but like they're not where they are now where we've got like, what aren't there like two Jay and silent Bob movies, maybe a third on the way. Like he really kind of turned them into the lovable sort of scamps that they are now, as opposed to like the two that are in, in clerks are kind of way more like drug dealers. You don't want to hang out with. They're day. Uh, yeah. They, they are dangerous characters. Like dangerous. this is, this yeah, is yeah. our, our first air quotes um, are dangerous, but you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're not dangerous in mall rats. You know what I mean? No, they're, co- they're, they're, they're comic relief. In, yeah. And, and, and I mean, they're also, sure, they still sell drugs, but it's like, a, they're a the guy who like, like rides up on his bike and sells me pot. Not like the guy on the corner that I'm sketchy buying, you know, weed from. Yeah. And not that I've done any of those things. I'm just saying. Yeah, so it was, it was interesting to to sort of uh, see the film as as that first turn. Mm-hmm. So uh, something else I want I want to touch on, but I I, I want to get something from from Sasha first. So Sasha, where like how how did you how did you see Mallrats? Like, um, I think I, that my like a friend of mine actually just like had rented it, so I was over at mm, their house. V- VHS DVD kind uh, of thing. Yes. Yes. 
So that, that's the other thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I honestly can't And that's remember. where it found its audience, right? Wasn't it one of those movies that like later on did well on the rental and purchase market and stuff? Um, almost immediately, dude. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what I was going to say is mm -hmm. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater. I feel like I do, but that might be a learned memory. But what I do remember and, and what I do think Mallrats started to become significant of is this entire like line of films mm -hmm. that became strong in like what I call, I want to call like dorm room, dorm room theater. Mm -hmm. I've probably mm -hmm. seen Mallrats 200 times, a hundred of them during the week in the afternoon in somebody's dorm room. Because again, let's get this context thing. It's like not everybody has access to every single movie. Right. It, it's the night it's the nineties. So people have their collections. And I remember it would be one of those things where you come home. Somebody from class, had it on. Yes. You throw your shit in, mm -hmm. you know, your, your bag down, you go down the hallway, like a couple guys are, you know, mm -hmm. having some beers, having some whatever, like watching, watching a movie before the, you know, before the cafeteria opens and mall rats was always in one of those settings. And I always remember it being this film, right. Where it's like, you know, the two guys that live there are watching it. And it's like me and my roommate come in mm -hmm. and then the two other guys down the hall yeah. come in and then his girlfriend and her friend who eats at our, our PFM comes in and sits and it, and it becomes this. Wait, what's it, a PFM? Uh, so that was the, Oh God, I got to remember what the acronym stands for. <laughs> that was what the um, on-campus dining Oh, okay. Uh, okay. University of Nebraska Cardi. That okay. was like the company that administered it. So we called it like, yeah, we called it. Oh, PFM. okay. 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 Like the cafeteria. I was like, what's a PFM? I don't know. What that is. Oh, yeah. Wow, dude. I, yeah, I slipped on like, oh. if you're uh, uh, you University of Nebraska Carney Loper, like, you know what that is. Mm -hmm. But other, well, other than that. One of the things that I did like about Mallrats that really was cool for me was, I mean, he touched on it in Clerks, but Mallrats was the first time like, that was like hardcore comic book references. Stan Lee was in it. And like, you know, what's that scene where um, when they first introduced Jay and Silent Bob and Brody and the other one are coming up and it's like, what's he doing? He's doing a snickety snick. And I'm like, but he's making the sounds from the comics and they're doing a the thing. And that's like, that wasn't just like, oh, we're mentioning Superman and Batman. Those are like the X-Men. These are comics like your average person didn't know who they were. They, they, they were not, Marvel didn't have movies like that then. There were no Fox X-Men movies. Like- that was awesome. Oh, ab dude, absolutely. The the normalizing of comic book culture mm -hmm. long before oh, that yeah. was a thing. That it was like it was, you know, there's there's also a really uh excellent scene in there where um Shannon Doherty is just like speed delivering dialogue. She's yelling at Jason Lee in the elevator, and she's like She's mad that she goes gets taken to comic book shops, but she's really referencing all of this really specific where she's mm -hmm. like, do you think I care what when two major labels are crossing over with chromium covers? Like, I'm a girl, damn it, is like her quote. And but, it was like super comic wonk stuff that like yeah, every the, comic kid is like, yes. The, the fact that, that that was was presented as so the big event at the mall was like Stan Lee doing it in person mm -hmm. and that, that all of these, these you know, people like... Dude, it's it's 1995. Like, yeah. comic books are they're they're certainly not bankable at the like, box superhero office. Superhero movies were Christopher um, Reeve as Superman. Yeah, I mean, dude, you're 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 five you're five years away from um, Brian Singer's X Men, mm -hmm. um, and you know Fox's X Men having box office success. Like, 
nobody doing a comic book movie was not a way to like endear yourself to any amount of the public, but the way that it was so weaved into being normal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I grew up a huge comic book fan still. Um, um, you know, that was really, really interesting. Um, I don't know how much the, um, studio totally loved it. I don't Uh, know. I mean, one of the things that is a little dated from the movie, but I love it all that did have a resurgence recently was I love that part of the through line through the whole thing was that like the magic eye posters that we were all obsessed with in the 90s. Those are having a comeback of them. They did like my kids knew about them with me not explaining it like a couple years ago. I'm like, how do you know about these things? You know, where you like uncross your eyes and see the thing. And like, I love that that was like, he he was showing his growth as a filmmaker by having those things that like he would call back to them at later points in the movie, you know? And I, I, I really liked going back to it. Like there was definitely a bunch of nostalgia going back to mall rats, like in a good way, you know, for some of those things. And, and I think Kevin plays on that. I mean, and that, that, you know, and it, and it especially held up after 25 years. Um, something else that was really interesting with mall rats is, like we talked about Jason Lee, but is the cast overall? Oh, there's God. a lot of folks Stellar. Um, that sort of come out of, um, you know, you you have uh, pre pre Bruce Bruce Wayne Ben Affleck still kind of doing his O'Banion from um, Days of Confused, like movie heavy, yeah. um, as as um, Shannon Hamilton. Um, I read somewhere that that was actually supposed to be a reference to Shannon Doherty's name when she was married. Oh, really? Like, her I married never... name was Shannon Hamilton when she married that guy. I don't know. I, there was a bunch of Easter eggs that I read like a couple years ago about had... Mallrats. There was a whole bunch like the names Brody and Quint are references to Jaws, Jaws like different right. things. And that was one of them, the Shannon Hamilton. They thought it would be funny. Interesting. Um, you also have Michael Rooker, who we referenced earlier, has been in tons of stuff and had a huge resurgence in the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. um, as Janos in the um, Did you ever Guardians see him in Henry, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Yeah, dude. Oh, man. That's why I was like, he's yeah. in Mallrats? <laughs> I think he's also in Tremors. Um, oh, I, I, we could do it. I love the Tremors here. You know, there's like seven of those things. I love those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I went down a Tremors rabbit hole at one point. There were yeah. like seven of them. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's Michael Gross what, from like what Family Ties or something or what yeah. was that? What was that? No, no, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So it was an int- uh, interesting thing about casting um, mm-hmm. is that's ultimately how Jason Lee ended up in the film. That like, the, I guess that's obvious because that's how everybody gets in a film. But his connection with the casting director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, maybe I believe his name was the casting director Don Phelps. I should look that, but okay. he did a wonderful job. But um, well, he, he and he and Ethan went on to do My Name Is Earl. I mean, that was the yeah. Ethan Suplee is in it. Uh, but Jason Lee was dating um, Giovanni Ribisi's sister, um, <laughs> who their mom um, also was. A, uh, I think was Jason's manager at the time. Oh and so God. there was that connection. And okay. so that's ultimately like how they got him, how they got him to read for it. Gotcha. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So that was like, that was really interesting. Um, again, I'm not telling uh, anything super secret, but the, the other thing was the fact that very famously they did not want to cast Jason Muse mm-hmm. as 
Right, right. They wanted to Jay. recast that. Yep. Um, they wanted to, to cast all kinds of people, like like Seth Green uh, auditioned for it. Um, okay. They didn't want, you know, and, and Kevin's like, well, how can he not be Jay? He is Jay. And and again, it, it was one of those things for me mm-hmm. in that kind of takeaway department where, you know, apparently the quote was what they told him is like, well, you know, Kevin, this isn't, making a movie is not just putting your friends in it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but it is, I kind of did that. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think for me overall, so much from what I took from Mallrats is under is, is understanding, even though, you know, Kevin Smith's universe is here and ours is here is that um, when you go up in that scope of what you, you, you're doing, like you, you got, you, you will have a less bumpy ride if you change some of your own expectations yeah, that you're probably not going to have as much control over things as. Well, I think in our line of work, I mean, that's, we feel that all the time. And, and especially like, you know, look at his, you know, it's his sophomore effort. It didn't do as well. He could have just been like, all right, this didn't work out, but he kept going and he had, you know, successful things after that. And I think, you know, maybe myself personally, like we deal with that. There are lots of times you do projects and like, it doesn't maybe it doesn't do as well as you think it's going to do it's going to go but you know we just got to keep going and there's a little bit of that like dante perseverance that kind of it teaches you like you know everyone gets their mall rats but you know sometimes you don't win something with a client but then you go on to make chasing amy you know so you got to see what comes next dude the thing is i i think i i personally am really gravitated towards things that are um, out of time, like like you referenced mm-hmm. earlier, um, the Jawbreaker album, Dear, Dear You, which we're going to do an episode on. Um, but Mallrats is one of Kevin's really most revered films mm-hmm. from its audience once it found it. It yeah. didn't connect at the time, but that doesn't mean that it's not a valid piece of work. And mm-hmm. as you widen the lens and it you go over a further amount of time, um, it kind of proved out that mm-hmm. he made something, even if it's just silly entertainment, mm-hmm. um, that like connected with people. And so yeah. just because it's not an immediate success, and we've had to learn that the hard way many times, like in the pieces that we've done, you know, and 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 to try to reconcile where you're like, man, I, you know, I feel like our film's just as good. Why is this selling twice as many copies? But then, yeah. you know, somebody comes up to you 15 years later and remembers- It changed or, my life. Yeah, you get that, like how how much that influenced them. Or, or, or you get clients that are like, we need to do something that's going to be viral. And I'm like, well, first of all, you don't just make something that that is going to be viral. I mean, you know, it's like, it's got to find its audience naturally. And this is an example of that. You can't force it to find an audience. And this- found its audience it took a little time but you know sometimes that's what has to happen you know so sasha what was your impression of of mall rats after after the first time of of watching it well i've only seen it one time but um well <laughs> i just it wasn't one that i revisited um but i mean i i liked it it was entertaining but that was like my only takeaway really mm-hmm. from it <laughs> so are there other um, what other Kevin Smith films have you revisited more than that? Um, I don't think I have. I don't really okay. watch movies that often, though, either. Mm, yeah. I like watch Fair it enough. once and then 
I move on to the next thing. No, that's a fair, like, yeah, I was just sort of curious in that kind of, especially because you came from Jason Lee. But yeah, it's funny yeah. that you say that because I, I, I find that too. Like, so we cut the cord a few years ago. We have like, you know, streaming and stuff like that, but I don't have HBO. I don't have things like that. So like a lot of like rewatching movies used to be like just channel surfing and it's on and I'm like, oh, okay. But there's something about now where I'm like, oh, I got to actually turn it on and start watching it. But like, if it's, I don't rewatch a lot of stuff like I used to in the eighties and nineties. Cause you don't just have like HBO on all the time. You're like, Oh, I got, it's on and I'm sitting here and this popcorn's not going to eat itself. So I'll just watch this movie for the next hour and a half. You know, like I don't kill time by watching rewatching movies. Like I used to back then. Oh yeah. Dude. Like I would typically, I would typically throw in a DVD and work sometimes mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that sort of pre-streaming era. Yeah. Um, so now I'd have to find a DVD player. Right, dude. I like I wanted to go through this theatrical cut and I'm just like, I got a Blu-ray somewhere. I'm just I'm yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to find No, I, I I I have an Apple Super Drive somewhere that I was able to like pop in my old DVDs on. But I, then I remember the Xboxes all play DVDs. So I was just being stupid. Um what's what's yeah. your biggest takeaway from from Mall Rats, John? My biggest takeaway from Mall Rats was actually kind of like think what I mentioned a little earlier was about the perseverance, like the idea that you can do this. There could be expectations. I mean, it was not an abysmal failure. Let's be clear. It didn't meet the expectations, but it wasn't a failure per se. And you could pick yourself up and keep going and you can, you know, be inspired to do a little more is is what I really took away from it. I also took away from it um, sort of like that, it's, it might be okay to push back on clients a little bit. And I look client studio notes, like, you know, if you really feel that it's not going to work, it's okay to maybe try and challenge a little harder. And I feel like maybe, you know, as I've gotten older, I do that more in my career and I'll stand up for what I think is really great creative. Whereas when I was younger, maybe like Kevin was with mall rats, it's like, okay, all right. You want that? Okay. I can do that. Sure. Here, let me, let me just get, you know, and less about like, well, I understand that you're asking about, but can we unpack that for a minute and let's talk about what I could give you that might be better. You know, I'm, I'm much braver about that now, yeah, but again, that's 25 years later. So that may just be like, cause you know, that comes with just experience. Um, I, I think mine is my biggest takeaway is actually what chasing Amy is. Mm, uh, okay. Because I I think you could make an argument that that Chasing Amy is probably Kevin Smith's best film, one of its best two or three. And it came out of this like, okay. Um, and I mean, dude, there, there was really no way around it. Like Mallrats was a commercial disaster. Yeah, no, it was. It was. Um, I love the movie and and time has proven out, but like, I think it only made $3 million or something like that at the, I mean, it, 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 uh, you know, obviously numbers are on IMDb, but yeah. But what came out of that was a very like, and he took less money. There's a famous, there's a famous story. He he goes back to to to, to pitch um, that he wants to do Chasing Amy. Him and Scott Mosier, his production partner, mm-hmm. they set on a budget and they come in there and and he's he's pitching it. They're like, "What do you think?" They're like, "Kevin, we think this is really great. This is this is special. This is what we see." Drew Barrymore, David Schwimmer. I don't know, somebody just, and he's like, no, no, it's Jason Lee, it's Affleck. And they're like, dude, I'm not giving you 
whatever the budget was. I'm not giving you $2 million to make that. He's like, awesome. Give me 500,000 and let me make it with my friends. Mm-hmm. And the studio's like, well, I'll give you, I'll give you 250,000 more. I'll give you 750 to make it. Um, in a very, in a very hilarious, like producer director thing. The story is like, so I guess Mosier didn't go to the meeting. He calls Moj. Moj goes, how's it go? He's like, great. He gave us 250,000 more than we asked for. And Moj is like, oh, sweet. So we got like a million two. Okay, maybe we'll have a crane a couple more days. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. He gave us 750 <laughs> because I said we'd only make it with our the, the people that we wanted to. And so I told him for 500,000. And he was so he's like, oh, I'll give you 250 more. And so Moj with like producer brain on, of course, is like, are you kidding me? I got to figure out how to do this. No, it's funny you said that, dude. Like, it relates to something. So many years ago, we were pitching um, an idea to a client for a TV commercial, and it was stop motion. And um, it was like people in cubicles and stuff like that. They never bought the idea. But anyway, um, I'm, you know, CD on the project and I'm like uh, talking to different production companies that I had to do it. And I was talking to um, a very famous production company that does a lot of stop motion that, you know, you, you probably heard of now. Um, I, I, the guys that do Robot Chicken. So he called them up. I think, it, I think it's Stupid Monkey. I mean, but it was like when Robot Chicken first started and they were amazing. They were awesome. But like, I was talking to somebody on the phone and they're like, what's the budget? And I was like, I don't remember what it was. I was like, I, I want to say it's like, well, we've got like, you know, $400,000. And for production and, and there's like silence on the phone and they're like, what did you want again? And I'm like, well, it's like one 30 second spot. And they're like, we'll do three. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, that's awesome. Just, just for future reference, just don't tell clients that. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. like, you can tell okay. me that, but yeah. I'm like, just don't say that. No. It was, but it's like, it was like that kind of thing where I was like, I was like, okay. Yeah. No, man. Yeah. So hilarious. Very that producer director that's he's like, I, I hooked you up, bro. Yeah. And Mosher's like, no, you took a quarter million. You, you cut my budget by 25%. So we're not having a crane is what um, you're saying. But uh, one, one of his like most like emotional, personal, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, films came out of. Um, and I think that you started to so you're see saying tragedy inspired. Um you know, creative genius to some, to imagine some degree, that. I mean, I think what like, maybe Isn't that kind of how it usually works. Maybe more like what you said earlier, John, about like, sort of like, like comfort. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that like, I've come to more and more as I've become older in that, like, uh, I, I love new challenges, but like, Hey, like, dude, like I'm this kind of director, like this yeah. is what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I don't need to try to be, and it's, and it's okay when something comes up that is like, yeah, that's I don't, not my sweet spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to do that, you know, in, in the way that like, um, you know, Kevin's not trying to make the next clueless anymore, like whatever the, no. um, and I, and I think that was really valuable as um, a creative, as you, as you become more, mm-hmm. more comfortable in, in your own skin of, of knowing what you're um, knowing what you're good at and becoming even better at that um, versus like trying to, um, you know, shape yourself into like maybe where you kind of, you know, think things are going. Well, It's like playing to your strengths, but at the same time, play to your strengths, like, but also still grow. 
Do you know what right. I mean? And that that's what I think it, it kind of said. It's like, you know, all right, well, that didn't work. I know what I'm good at. Let me do that. But also I can grow in these ways that I'm strong. And that's kind of, you know, like, let me capitalize on what my strengths are. And so then I can, you know, have success. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. And I think you, that's something to take away from it. And you have to like, at least commercially fail, I should say to do that because oh, you, yeah. you are right in like, um, Mallrats was fun and connected with a lot of people. So also I think a huge thing that I took away from it and I've always done since then is, um, well, how you define failure and success, right? Is it, is it purely, you know, dollars? Look, of course, entertainment uh, films need to make money. They need to, they, mm -hmm. they, they need to. Yeah. But the life of a movie life. is bigger than its theatrical release. So right. the success of a movie oftentimes, like what are those ones where it's like, Oh, well, this is what it did in America. And then it went to the Chinese market and made 18 bajillion dollars. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you know, you don't always, you're right. How do we judge success? What is the KPI that we're going to judge a success? And is if success is only the amount of money earned at the box office, sure. But if you look at what that movie did over time, it probably has over, DVD sales and rentals probably made way back more than it costs to make. Yeah. I mean, to pull it full circle and just to show what a, a, a win it is. And again, it all depends how you keep score. I mean, the last, so, you know, Marvel 25 years later, uh, Marvel 23 uh, at the time of the story becomes this absolute cinematic juggernaut. Mm -hmm. um, Stan Lee makes his final appearance on camera. Oh, right. In, in Ca Captain that, Marvel, right? Right. In a film that does a bajillion dollars or whatever mm -hmm. Captain Marvel did at the mm -hmm. box office. Amazing. And, and, what's, yeah. and what's his scene? Yeah. He's reading a script of Mallrats and liking mm -hmm. it. How can you not, as a creative person, like, yeah. how can you not consider that a win? Right, um, right. And I think so... Making sure that and they I did that for him like unsolicited, right? He had no idea that was coming, right? No, he, he very famously like had a super weepy post. He did right, not know that they right. put that in there. He had no idea. I mean, in, in full defense, he has a lot of weepy posts. Let's, let's <laughs> There's that. I mean, uh, not that I'm knocking him for it. It's great. I love it. But I'm like, uh, which weepy post is? It? Yeah. So yeah, he he did not know. That's that. pretty awesome. Right, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. so that's like, pretty legit. That's so like, okay, wins? yeah. So it's like, it's like, yeah. I didn't make that much money, but you know, hey, I got this. So you know, yeah, there's that. So I'm immortalized in, you know, in Captain Marvel. Are you? It, it connected. <laughs> what I what I made connected, and I think yeah. for those of us that make things, whether we're doing it with or for a client, or we're doing it in a film, you want to make things that resonate with people. And yeah. yes, you have to be profitable to survive, but. You know, that's to me always the, and, and again, that's always the key takeaway is like, hey, look, we created something that, that resonated with somebody. Dude, did I ever tell you about the time? I forget what, what painful event was it. It might've been copper, it might've been Chicago. Some dude came up to me in the booth and was like asking like if I was Citrus Maximus. And I'm like, yeah, why is he? He wanted a picture with me because he'd seen the ETV DVD that you'd done. And I'm like, wait, you want a picture with me? And it was like, yeah, yeah, because because of that DVD. And I was like, it was like the craziest thing that like that stupid little piece that you had done, Dan, like resonated with this kid and he sought out the booth, take a picture with me. And I'm like, I'm not a pro paintball player, but OK, dude, sounds cool. Yeah, man. How it's, weird is it? It was really weird because I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah, it's the old right. Like, like I know every, everybody loves right to to cop Gary V stuff for his right, right, um, right, right. ROIs and stuff. But he also has a phrasing about like, well, what's the ROI of your mom? 
yeah. How, how, how do you put a value? Like, dude, how do you put a value on something like that? Yeah. That you make? Like, like it was I, amazing. This kid was like, he sought me out because of the video that you had done for, for planet. That was crazy, that's crazy dude. That's it was so, like, that's so, so awesome. like, I, I was like, wow, like, thank you. That's yeah. amazing. So that's, that, that, that's my takeaway. Kevin ultimately wins in the end. And there's a lot of ways to win and a lot of different ways to keep score. Very true. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna wrap us up this week. Um, next episode, uh, I'm very excited. Uh, it's very timely from at least when we are recording. This will be our WrestleMania one episode from 1985. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a giant wrestling you? mark. You like wrestling? No. Um, yeah. You as well, though, Mr. Battistini, I, I which do. some folks yeah, might be a little bit I more know. surprised of. I know. I am a big um, wrestle, wrestling fan. I, yeah. I do remember that. And and I am also obsessed with uh, The Rock's new sitcom where, you know, he with the, with the actors yeah. that are playing all the wrestlers from the 80s. So yeah. I can't wait to talk about wrestling. Yeah. It's, it's going awesome. to be uh, super changed from the smoky bars to pop culture with WrestleMania in, in, in the mid eighties. Um, Sasha, I have to ask, are we going to bore you to tears with this next episode or, or where are you going to come in on this? I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> fair, fair <laughs> watch boxing every Friday night at my house when I was growing up, but we didn't really watch a whole lot of WrestleMania. Oh, right? You're like, missing well, out. It's you, um, <laughs> You may be bored. You may learn a few things. I might uh, learn. I bored. will learn. That's that is the exciting part. <laughs> no, it's going to be exciting. It, yeah, it's, how could it not be? It's wrestling. Yeah, it should be back super when fun. it was Coming. back when it was the WWF before yeah, they got the F out. Yes. Uh, so very yeah, exciting. Which we can Looking talk about. To that. Oh, I can't wait to. This is going to be yeah, a great episode because we're coming up on what three three weeks away from WrestleMania as we I think record so, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. yeah, that will be super. We'll explore, yeah, kind of how WrestleMania kicked off, how how big, um, and I don't know that people realize that we'll really try to express it, like how big it became in pop culture in 1985. It was crazy. Was nuts. Yep. So awesome. uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, everybody. Uh, we will come at you again um, in a few weeks. Um, thanks for checking us out. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Ahura Media Production.